0: Welcome to Music History Monday for October 2nd, 2023. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is 710 Ashbury Street, San Francisco, California. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash Robert Greenberg Music, where I blog, vlog, podcast pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. Before we get to the central topic of today's post, that being a particular address in San Francisco, we would wish a most happy birthday to someone we only know by his nickname. Please, no listening ahead. Today we wish a happy 71st birthday to the English singer, songwriter, bassist, and actor Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner, CBE, that is, Commander of the Order of the British Empire. He was born at Sir G.B. Hunter Memorial Hospital in Walsend, Northumberland, England. He grew up near the shipyards there in Walsend which itself is located just outside of Newcastle-upon-Tyne on the east coast of northern England. The eldest of four kids, his mother Audrey was a hairdresser, and his father Ernest a milkman. Our birthday boy took up the guitar as a child, but as music didn't pay the rent, he worked as a bus conductor, a construction worker, a tax officer, and... After having attended the Northern County College of Education, today known as North Umbrian University, from 1971 to 1974, he received a teaching credential. He went on to teach for two years at St. Paul's School in Cramlington, some nine miles north of Newcastle-upon-Tyne. His various day gigs did not preclude Gordon Sumner, from playing in bands on nights and weekends, and he became the bassist for a Newcastle-upon-Tyne-based New Orleans-style jazz band called the Phoenix Jazzmen. The band was led by its trombonist, a gentleman, well, we assume he was a gentleman, named Gordon Solomon. One day, young Sumner showed up to a gig wearing a black and yellow striped sweater we'll let Sumner himself describe what happened. Quote, One Saturday night, we are playing the Red House Farm Social Club, Sunderland, in the middle of a tough working-class area in the north of the city. The Phoenix Jazzmen will perform at 9 p.m. after the bingo session. It is the early part of the evening, and we are lounging in the dressing room. Gordon Solomon, or Solly, the band leader, is going over the set we will play tonight. He is delivering our nightly pep talk, leaning casually against the bingo machine. He turns towards me and says, Sting, dear boy. He's been calling me that for weeks now. I must have worn that damned sweater but once. And yes, it did make me look like a wasp. With its black and yellow hoops, but this stupid name is beginning to stick. Unquote. Stick, the nickname did. In 1985, when a journalist called him Gordon during an interview, Sumner replied, quote, My children call me Sting, my mother calls me Sting. Who is this Gordon character? Unquote. Happy 71st birthday, Sting. The Raid On October 2nd, 1967, 56 years ago today, the San Francisco police raided the house at 710 Ashbury Street. The house was the headquarters for the San Francisco-based band, The Grateful Dead. After some searching, the cops found what they were looking for, a bit less than a pound of weed in a colander in the kitchen. Two band members were at home at the time of the raid, Bob Ware and Ron Pigpen McKernan. They were arrested. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, the raid on the Dead's Way Out 13-room pad at 710 Ashbury Street also led to the arrest of the group's equipment manager two business managers, and six girls, variously described as friends, visitors, and just girls." The Summer of Love and of Uncontrolled Substances The late spring and summer of 1967 was an auspicious time for the city of San Francisco. Dubbed the Summer of Love, It was both a social and cultural phenomenon that saw as many as 100,000, mostly young people, aged 15 to 25, descend on San Francisco, specifically the central San Francisco neighborhood of Haight-Ashbury, there, presumably, to celebrate their utopian vision of life. The Summer of Love marked the apex of so-called hippie culture. The hippie movement was a counter-mainstream culture youth movement that rejected the establishment, meaning traditional institutions, consumerism, and what they considered middle-class values. The hippies opposed nuclear weapons and the Vietnam War, and they embraced, among other things, sexual freedom, aspects of Eastern philosophy, hallucinogenic drugs, and various other non-prescription pharmaceuticals, a non-doctrinaire ideology that favored peace, love, personal freedom, poetry, and folk music, and rock and roll music. On the whole, the utopian idealism that lay at the heart of hippie culture could not be sustained in the face of reality, but in 1967, such reality had not yet intruded on the naive optimism of the flower children that flocked to San Francisco. The music. It's safe to say that aside from food, having a place to sleep, and toilets, nothing was more important to those who participated in the Summer of Love than their music, music that symbolized their break from the establishment, from the man, from their parents. Rock and roll music. In fact, it was a song released as a 45 RPM record on May thirteenth, 1967 that became the de facto invitation to the summer of love. San Francisco, be sure to wear flowers in your hair by John Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas as sung by Scott McKenzie of the song, accompanied by some excellent archival footage of The Summer of Love, is linked. With its lyrics, If you're going to San Francisco, be sure to wear some flowers in your hair. The song motivated thousands of young people from around the world to travel to San Francisco, where many did indeed wear flowers in their hair, and thus inspired the term flower children. Along with the Beatles' All You Need Is Love, San Francisco Be Sure to Wear Flowers in Your Hair became the unofficial anthem of the Summer of Love. As we've already observed, ground zero of the Summer of Love was the intersection of Hate and Ashbury Streets in San Francisco's Hate neighborhood. That's because the centrally located Haight-Ashbury, with its sizable supply of large and inexpensive Victorian-era apartments and houses, had become, by 1966, the neighborhood of choice for San Francisco's hippie community. By 1966, the year before the Summer of Love, it is estimated that some 15,000 hippies were living communally in the Haight just as important. By 1966, the bands that would provide the soundtrack for The Summer of Love were also living in the hate. The Charlatans, Jefferson Airplane with Grace Slick, Big Brother and the Holding Company with Janis Joplin, and The Grateful Dead. The Dead House at 710 Ashbury Street About 500 feet south of the intersection of Haight and Ashbury streets is a Victorian house at 710 Ashbury. Between 1966 and 1968, the house was headquarters and home to the Grateful Dead. Jerry Garcia, Bob Ware, Ron Pigpen McKernan, Phil Lesh, Bill Kreutzmann, and Mickey Hart. Built in 1900, the house has four bedrooms and two bathrooms, a two-car garage, essential for that part of San Francisco where street parking is nearly impossible to find, and a total of 2,680 square feet of living space. Last sold in 1973 for $55,000, the house is presently valued according to Realtor.com, at $1,525,000. For those folks who live outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, $1,525,000 might sound like a lot of money. But in fact, in a neighborhood where the median home value is over $2 million, one million five twenty-five sounds incredibly low, especially given the history of the house. Then again, perhaps the history of the house has driven down its value, what with the endless line of tourists taking pictures in front and idiots scrolling graffiti on the garage door and carving it into the surrounding trees. I will confess that there was a time in the years immediately after I moved to the San Francisco Bay Area in 1978 that a drive-by of the Dead House was de rigueur for my out-of-town guests, as was a drive-by of the Grace Slick and Jefferson Airplane House at 2400 Fulton Street. The establishment reacts poorly. Not everyone was happy about the influx of 100,000-plus voracious, waste-producing, Dope smoking, alcohol swilling, tie dyed wearing, free love making hippies who showed up in San Francisco during the summer of 1967, clogging the streets, sleeping in the parks, playing their guitars on every corner, panhandling for money at every turn, and making the city a mess in the process. The mayor of San Francisco, John Francis Shelley, and the San Francisco Board of Supervisors had even debated putting a quote, hippies not welcome, unquote, sign at the city limits. But the hippies came, and the local establishment, condemned at every turn by those very same long-haired vagabonds, wanted them out. And while the vast majority of the vagabonds did indeed leave by summer's end. The local politicians and law enforcement authorities, still rankled by the summer's events, felt compelled to do something, anything, in the name of decency and the American way. What better, thought they, than to stage a raid on the ultimate symbol of the city's degradation, that den of iniquity, that Devil's Playground, that Sodom Central of San Francisco. The Hate ashbury House, where the members and management of the Grateful Dead lived and loved and got stoned, and created that dastardly music that despoiled San Francisco's youth. Consequently, on October 2nd, 1967, 56 years ago today, five California state narcotics agents, two San Francisco city inspectors, and at least half a dozen uniformed San Francisco police raided the Grateful Dead's pad at 710 Ashbury Street. Having found less than a pound of marijuana in a colander in the kitchen, the cops handcuffed and hauled away 11 people, two band members and nine of their associates and hangers-on. The San Francisco Chronicle newspaper was invited to join and document the raid, and that they did. The huge front page banner headline on October 3, 1967 read, quote, The Grateful Dead, Rock Band Busted, unquote. The Chronicle had sent along its photographer, Barney Peterson, to document the raid and he took some iconic pictures in the process. After having been arrested, the 11 people who were in the house at the time of the raid were handcuffed and led out of the house and down its stairs by twos. One wag observed that the scene looked, quote, like a wedding party walking down the aisle, Based on that small bit of dope found in the colander, the police concluded that the band was, in fact, engaged in distributing drugs. State Narcotics Bureau Chief Matthew O'Connor told the Chronicle that, quote, they were processing some marijuana in the kitchen by running it through a colander to get rid of some stems and seeds, unquote. Well, of course the Grateful Dead wasn't distributing Mary Jane. For the kids out there, Mary Jane equals MJ equals marijuana. The dope in the kitchen colander was strictly for their own use. By the time the case was settled in 1968, the felony charges that had been leveled had all been reduced to misdemeanors of, quote, being in a place where marijuana is used, unquote, Or, maintaining a residence where marijuana is used. In fact, as so often happens in trumped up cases like this one, the raid made cultural martyrs out of the Grateful Dead and their entire entourage. In the end, no jail time was served. That is, no one went to the joint. Sorry. And the largest fine levied was two hundred dollars. Postscript. For our information, and apropos of nothing aside from local interest, since 1993, another San Francisco house has been added to the tourist list. This one in the most tony Pacific Heights neighborhood at 2640 Steiner Street. This is the house made famous by the movie Mrs. Doubtfire a 3,300-square-foot house presently valued at $5,322,900. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.